Hello and welcome to another installment of CSO Executive Sessions Australia. I'm Ed Kennedy, the editor of CSO Australia, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Andrew Hotters, Chief Digital Information Officer of the Cranbrook School in Sydney, New South Wales. Andrew, welcome. Thanks, Ed. Great to be here. To start, can you tell us a little about your role? Yeah, sure, Ed. Uh, as Chief Digital Information Officer, uh, it encompasses a fairly wide range of responsibilities. Uh, these are both tactical and strategic in nature. So in conjunction with other staff, I'm tasked with developing and then implementing a technology strategy, mindful, of course, that aligns with the school's overall strategic objectives. And for me, that really revolves around identifying new technologies that can improve teaching and learning outcomes, driving pedagogy uh, and enhancing the overall student experience. So with a lot of collaboration with the executive team and faculty leaders, um, understanding what they need in the first instance, um, and then ensuring they can support the proposed solutions that we can offer. Um, I also have the responsibility to the administration team and the operations team, uh, ensure what I can do to try and streamline some of those back office procedures and processes, um, implementing workflows, for example, reducing human error, uh, and also some of the mundane tasks that we need to do. So business process automation, um, is something I, I really like to, to focus on. Um, you know, underpinning all of that, of course, is, is managing the school's infrastructure uh, to deliver all of these technologies. So a few years ago, we moved to the cloud, um, and this enabled us very quickly to pivot when COVID hit uh, to bring technology out of the classroom on campus uh, to all of our students online, you know, corralling the brains trust to make that happen uh, and, and managing the financials to ensure that I could deliver that. And lastly, and probably just as importantly as every other piece there, overseeing the technology security and governance, you know, ensuring compliance with regulations and policies, um, reviewing our technology practices, making sure they're compliant with the relevant regulations, I think is crucial. Um, and then some of those are the Privacy Act um, and the Australian Cybersecurity Guidelines, you know, risk identification, building mit mitigation strategies for those as well. So a fairly all-encompassing um, role and uh, enjoyed immensely. What can you share with us about Cranbrook's current cybersecurity goals? Yeah, I'm looking at two facets of this, Ed. What, what I need right now, and then what looking at what I might need to future-proof as much as possible. So first step is developing a fairly comprehensive cybersecurity strategy, um, addressing as many aspects of information security as possible, including risk assessment, security policies and procedures, access controls, um, incident response planning, which is a big one, um, and employee training, which is crucial. Uh, build on those, drill down further. Uh, for example, implement strong access controls, uh, multi-factor authentication, role-based access control, lease privilege, and enhance password policies. And so look at the basics as well there. I think also key is regularly reviewing and updating our security policies. As you know, the world moves super fast in this space. So I try and make sure they're aligned with the ever-evolving threat landscape. It's difficult, but we do what we can. And also don't forget the basics. Make sure you've got effective backup and recovery processes. Also look at being able to air gap data applications, your environment quickly, if a security incident has been identified. Um, do that as, as soon as possible. Uh, I mentioned employee training in, in passing above, and I think that's incredibly important. So with all staff conduct regular employee training. 
I can't emphasize it enough, really. Uh, a recent study I saw showed that I think 83% of all incidents uh, involve a human factor. So make sure your employees receive regular training on best practices, how to identify and report potential incidents like phishing. We all know that phishing campaigns have increased um, in both numbers and quality. So get your staff across that as much as possible. And where you don't have the skill set and the resources in-house, um, partner up with, with organisations that this is all about their sweet spot. You know, make sure that you find a partner, make the most of their knowledge and skills uh, to help you achieve your cybersecurity goals. 2023, of course, follows a very, very eventful year for cybersecurity in 2022. How would you reflect on the year that was? Yeah, Ed, uh, 22 was indeed a very eventful year for cybersecurity and, and technology as a whole. Uh, there were several high-profile cyber attacks and data breaches uh, globally that affected both individuals, businesses and governments. You know, hark back to the SolarWinds attack. Um, that was multiple US agencies that were affected. Um, and then locally, we had Optus and Medicare breaches, Medibank uh, breaches, sorry, amongst others, that the list continues to grow. Um, of course, you know, one of the key things and, and the big ticket items in this space is ransomware and the multiple strains of this sort of attack, including Mamba, which is quite, uh, quite nasty. Now, these were highly destructive and caused significant disruption to critical infrastructure and businesses across the globe. So from my perspective, what this did, though, was looking at the glass half full, but highlighted the need for improved security um, and improved security practices, better collaboration between governments and private industry. And, and that's never a bad thing, um, but it did take something like this to make that happen. Uh, I think another one that's quite unsettling that I've seen is the, the deep fake technology, you know, social media manipulation. And I'm sure you've seen multiple deep fake examples. And it's quite scary just how good they are getting. So for me, uh, there's some key areas there. How do you see 2023 shaping up in the months ahead for cybersecurity? Well, I think after that, you know, we look at those attacks of solar winds, you know, there, there might be some renewed focus on supply chain security, um, improving the security measures and monitoring to prevent future attacks. Um, but the, the, the growth of ransomware as a service and cybercrime as a server off offerings is, is really scary. Like move over software as a service. Uh, and now it's just like SaaS. It makes it easier to buy into. Unfortunately, in this case, it's for pretty nefarious circumstances, uh, purposes, sorry. So, you know, when I look at that, it, it's, it's incredibly scary. You know, so we've got more emphasis on zero trust security, which is a great thing. You know, assume all network traffic is potentially malicious and require some sort of verification before you allow access, I think is crucial. And I think there's going to be also a big focus on artificial intelligence and machine learning for cybersecurity. You know, let's look what happened in the last couple of months over chat GPT and how this can be used positively. But on the flip side, I think there's a huge capability for it to be used negatively. And so we need to be quite on guard for that. So overall, it's likely to be another eventful year this year for cybersecurity. Uh, new threats emerging, new technology emerging, the existing ones evolving and changing. Um, and I think to combat that vigilance 
flexibility is the key. Um, if we can survive all of those and, and then thrive. When it comes to the Australian cybersecurity landscape, what pleases you about its present positioning? Yeah, I think Australia's made pretty significant progress in this area. Uh, for me, you know, there's work still to be done to address some of the emerging threats, and it, it's not just Australia, but globally. But the government's taken steps to increase awareness of cyber threats and encourage, you know, lots of businesses to adopt stronger security measures. Uh, it's great news. You know, we've got the Australian Cyber Security Centre. Um, we've got the Cyber Security Strategy, which aims to make Australia the best globally by 2030. That's no mean feat, but, it, but it's a great goal to aspire to. Uh, I also think another bit of the positive development is around the, the awareness in small business um, and, and big business about the importance of cybersecurity. So a, a lot of organisations I speak to are now taking proactive steps to protect their networks and data rather than waiting for it to happen and, and react not trying to shut the gate after the horse has bolted. And they're starting to invest more of their money into advanced technologies and, and threat intelligence. Um, so trying to be on that front foot proactively. Now, there's help at cyber.gov.au. That's a great resource. Um, and it's also good that you know, Microsoft have partnered with the Australian government to provide cloud-based services that meet you know, the security and compliance standards for our government. You know, that, that's super positive. What concerns you about the Australian cybersecurity landscape at present? What work do you think remains to be done? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is the increasing sophistication and frequency of these attacks. Um, I've seen the phishing campaigns that, that have sort of gone from zero to 100 in a very short period of time in terms of looking at them and going, wow, that's, that's a genuine email. So there's a number of stats around this, but you know, ransomware as a service, deep fakes, supply chain attacks, you know, underscores the ongoing need for investment in cybersecurity. I mean, at a recent summit I attended, it was discussed that if you're not spending 20 to 30% of your IT budget on security, um, you're inviting the worst case scenario to happen. Um, that's a lot of money, but I, I, I think it's warranted. I mean, as I said, those, those phishing emails um, have caught out people that uh, you, you wouldn't think have got caught out. So they're barely detectable as being malicious. So I think we really need to, to focus our minds on improving all across uh, the cybersecurity space. I think as well, we need to ensure the resilience of critical infrastructure. And I don't mean technology, but I think items like you know, um, our power grid, the water supplies, um, trucking and transportation networks, you know, a cyber attack on those, those systems could really have some devastating consequences. And I think more needs to be done to protect them against some of these emerging threats. Um, as I mentioned before, I think it's great that the government and private sector have been collaborating to drive and improve the focus on cybersecurity, but I, I think we continue to need to keep the, uh, the pedal to the metal there. You know, there's, there's several initiatives that have been launched, but I think the private sector also has a critical role to play and continuing to share information between the government and private industry will be essential to improve our resilience as a country as a whole. 
Cranbrook recently achieved ISO 27001 certification. Why did you feel it was important to pursue? Yeah, uh, coming from a corporate background, Ed, I looked at some of the structures and governance uh, that could be brought into the education sector and, and the school. Um, I talked about proactivity earlier, and I want to be more proactive in the security space. I wanted to provide a, a fairly robust security posture to protect our sensitive data and intellectual property. Um, as ISO 27001 certification is a globally recognised standard for information security management systems, um, it was the gold standard I believe the school should aim for. So I put that forward and, uh, and we embarked on, a, on the journey. Um, you know, starting off, it meant that we needed to implement a fairly comprehensive set of security controls and procedures to ensure the confidentiality and the integrity um, and the availability of our many, many information assets. Uh, this is what I felt we needed to deliver to all of our stakeholders. So you know, there's, there's multiple benefits in doing that. Um, improve security posture and compliance with legal and regulatory requirements. But also from a school-specific environment, there's increased confidence and trust. Now, ISO certification's a recognised mark um, of quality. Um, it shows that you, know, you take people's data seriously and can build trust with parents and staff uh, and teachers. Um, and you're putting appropriate measures in place to protect that data. You know, it can also provide a competitive advantage as well. You know, there's a crowded education market. I believe it can help differentiate the school from others and demonstrate a commitment to adhering um, to security best practices. In terms of the ISO 27001 process, what was the work like throughout it for Cranbrook? Yes, it, it was no small feat. It was a huge amount of work, Ed, um, and it required a fairly systematic approach to get there. Uh, it's You just can't go ad hoc and go, I'm going to go for ISO 27001 and I'll knock that over next week. Um, no, this, this was a large commitment of resources and time and executive sponsorship and support was, was key from the outset. Uh, and they believe this is something we should try uh, strive to achieve. So... Once we had that approval and that, that backing and foundation, you know, the first one we needed to look at was scoping. You know, what were we trying to do? Define the scope of the uh, ISMS, including the boundaries of the system, what was in scope and, and not, what are our assets to be protected, um, the applicable legal and regulatory requirements, and, and they can be different for each industry. So we did have to be very school-specific in that regard. So once we scoped it out, we then did a risk assessment identifying the potential risks across all of our information assets and evaluate the likelihood of impact and you know, outcomes on each risk. Then looking at that, put appropriate security controls um, to mitigate any of those risks. So that moves on to the implementation. We've identified the controls, we then implement them. Um, and they can be technology measures such as firewalls and encryption, but also organisational measures such as policies and procedures. Um, I have to tell you, though, they seem to be some of the toughest to do, you know, changing the mindset, the hearts and minds of, of, uh, of staff. But they're on board and they understand the importance, which is fantastic news. Now, then we monitor and review the effectiveness of those and, and make adjustments as ne necessary. This is not a, a static um, 
you know, set and forget. We conduct regular internal audits to identify you know, those areas where we need to improve and tweak. We also conduct management reviews to ensure that it's effective and aligned overall with the school's objectives. If you can do all of that um, in a, a fairly appropriate timeframe, you can uh, apply for certification. So that involves an external audit by an accredited certification body uh, to verify that your ISMS meets the requirements of the ISO 27001 standard. Um, that audit typically involves a review of all of your documentation, interviews with key personnel, site inspections. Uh, and my advice in this era, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. It's, it's a fairly intensive process. So take the time to accumulate all the documentation and, and get it ready for review. <laughs> what are the benefits of ISO 27001 specifically for Cranbrook to your mind? Yeah, there's quite a few, but uh, for me, the key benefits of achieving that was the security posture. Um, we can demonstrate to stakeholders that we have a robust and comprehensive approach to managing information security risks, uh, which gives some peace of mind. Um, I think then compliance uh, with legal requirements. You know, I know there's many legal and regulatory frameworks that require us to, uh, and, and other organisations to maintain effective security controls. So we can now demonstrate compliance with those requirements. Um, I talked about increased confidence and trust early. Uh, it, it also shows to our stakeholders that you know, they, they trust us to protect their data, which we hold on them. And that's important for schools as a whole. You know, parents and students can rightfully be concerned about the security of their personal information. Um, and then continuous improvement. And becoming certified is not a one-time event. It's an, it's an ongoing process. And we will continuously monitor, improve our information security practices, which leads to ongoing improvements in our overall posture um, using new and emerging tools to combat um, you know, the likelihood and, and threat of security incidents. Uh, there's also a requirement for recertification annually. So that recertification process ensures we, we need to constantly evolve in this area. What insights would you share with cybersecurity professionals keen to learn more from another professional in their field? Yeah, and I think I think first and foremost, collaborate. Collaborate with peers. You know, no one can know everything. You know, cybersecurity professionals can learn a lot from their peers by sharing their own experiences and their knowledge. You know, network with others. Develop a community of like-minded individuals who can offer support and advice. Just like the, the ICT school community that that I joined after being in corporate. It's a very open and sharing environment. So everyone is there to leverage each other, which is, which is great to see. I think industry events as well, keep abreast of what's going on out there. There's super opportunities to learn from experts in the field, stay up to date with the latest developments and trends. Online communities, there's a load out there um, and everyone's still, once again, willing to help based on their experiences. There's a lot of opportunity for pursuing professional development in this space as well with certifications and training courses higher education, it all adds to your own personal knowledge um, and also can ultimately advance your career as well in, in the cyberspace. And I think finally, embrace a mindset of continuous learning. You know, cybersecurity is such a rapidly evolving field. 
professionals must stay current with the latest threats, the trends, and the best practices in the organization. You know, um, embracing that mindset of continuous learning and professional growth, I believe, is essential to staying relevant and effective in the field as the pace of change is just so rapid and we can't keep up. And with that last question, that brings us to the end of this conversation. Thank you to those in our audience and Andrew, a special thanks to you for taking part in this chat. Thanks, Ed. It's been great to be here. Just as this has been a great conversation here, please keep an eye out for another instalment soon of CSO Executive Sessions Australia.